first episode of What She Did Next is brought to you by Swinburne Online, offering the flexibility of online study to help you start your new career. Your study has to fit in with your life, not vice versa. It used to be that we needed to rush off on a Wednesday night to attend a 7.30 tutorial, and then you might sacrifice going to your yoga class or dropping your kids off or even having dinner with your kids, you know. That's not the case anymore. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of What She Did Next. I'm your host, Jackie Uwe, and this is a podcast where I talk to women about their inspiring career changes. The idea of going back to study when you're already juggling work and family might seem out of reach. Maybe you're worried that it's too time-consuming or too expensive or just not possible to fit in with your busy schedule. But things have definitely changed on the study front, certainly since I was at uni, with the shift to online learning, opening up a whole new world of possibilities, and the rise of short courses and more flexible courses, making a career change more doable than ever. I was very keen to find out more about this, so today I'm chatting with Cathy Garabelli from Swinburne Online, the sponsor of today's episode. Cathy has more than 20 years' experience in the tertiary education space and has been at the forefront of online learning over the past decade. She has lots of great insights to share about career change trends, some of the most popular courses right now, and her best tips for women who might be thinking about returning to study, whether that's to upskill or reskill to start a whole new career. I definitely learned a lot from our chat, and I think it will be very enlightening for you too. So please welcome from Swinburne Online, Cathy Garabelli. So Cathy, we know that the reset of COVID has had a lot of people rethinking or even changing their careers. What are you seeing in terms of career change trends, particularly for women? Well, for women, I think it has been the greatest changes. And I think women have had this opportunity to refocus on their values and the things that are important to them. I think there's probably been four themes um, in my mind that I that I focus on, and it's reskilling. So people who've perhaps um, had poor job security, you know, from lockdowns, or or perhaps they've just seen the writing on the wall in terms of changes to their jobs, maybe moving towards higher automation and and emerging tech. Um, looking for impact. So perhaps they've been in a job where they weren't that fulfilled previously and so they're now looking at taking that next step in terms of career advancement. You've then got people who are really looking for career flexibility. So um, I think if you talk to anybody in HR at the moment, I think the one question they're getting again and again is, is this job offered remote? Can I work at home? Um, And it quite often trumps the questions around salary. And then finally, I think for women in particular, what we've seen is a real focus on finding meaning um, and fulfilment. And so mm. um, so we're seeing a real move towards the helping careers, so education, nursing, psychology. And for those for those people that are perhaps looking for the job security and impact, they're also looking at skilling up in terms of technology. So we're seeing a huge move towards data analytics, data science, uh, data engineering, um, where businesses are looking for those sorts of people that have the ability to make evidence-based decisions using data. Mm. So, um, And that's great to see women moving into STEM careers. 
That's so interesting. And so can you give some examples of the types of career changes? Like you gave some sort of broad themes, but I noticed on your website there's, you know, women who've gone from one career to another. Are there certain examples you could share? Yeah, sure. So I think, um, so Swimbin Online has, I think the statistic is about 75% women. So it's interesting that online does seem to attract a lot of women. Um, and even prior to the, the Great Reset, what we were saying was that women who had taken a break from their uh, careers, perhaps to become a mum, they're looking at reskilling. So potentially they're looking at changing careers where they've had that time to think about, you know, what, what do I really want to do next and what are the, how can I juggle my career with my children? And what, what we've found is that that, I, that um, experience of bringing up their kids and homeschooling and spending a lot of time with children has actually driven a lot of women to education. So early childhood educators, primary right. and secondary, diploma of nursing, a lot of women moving moving into that. Mm. And psychology. So, you know, we know we've got a, a, a shortage of psychologists post-pandemic, if we are right. post-pandemic, yes, I'm not course. sure. But. Yes, I know. We keep saying post. It's like, I think we're still yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that's very interesting. But yes, of course, the mental health side of things, there'll be a huge yeah. need. Yes, absolutely. I think anybody who's looking for a psychologist at the moment is actually getting put on waiting lists and that sort of thing. So, you know, you hear those stories um, in your social set and women start to think, well, you know, I'd like to do that. I care about people. I'd like to make an impact there. I mean, that's just one subset of the the trends. I think we're seeing lots of people actually just changing careers in completely different directions where perhaps um, previously maybe they worked in finance and now they're thinking, I want to work in marketing. I've All my life I've wanted to um, work in the more sort of creative pursuits or vice versa. Well, yeah, it does seem like retraining is perhaps easier than it's ever been. Like I feel like I'm seeing, you know, not just with the prevalence of online learning now, but a lot more short courses that aren't necessarily the full bachelor or, um, yeah, the full master's. Mm. I mean, would you say that's the case? Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, yeah, definitely in the postgraduate market. What we're seeing is people, you know, people who've either had lots of work experience and think, I can't do a full bachelor degree or they've done their bachelor degree and now want to return to study. They're doing postgraduate study and more than ever um, we're seeing the rise of these shorter qualifications. Mm. Um, And, you know, back in 2020, in the peak of the pandemic, the government put out a short course incentive. So, and that was aimed Mm. at people reskilling and there was a lot of funding that was put towards that. And I think that's driven the creation of a lot of these shorter qualifications. Mm. so, for example, I know that at Simbon Online, we've got two boot camps that are aimed at technology, data analytics and um, uh, programming and development. And they're short, sharp qualifications that, you know, somebody can finish in six months. So, it mm. helps you if you're, you're the kind of person that just wants to get it over and done with. You can yeah. come in six months later, you've got your foot in the door in terms of a set of skills that you can use for towards a new career. We have spoken to some women on the podcast this season who retrained during lockdowns, for example. You know, they did a course that was between two or six months. And yeah, I guess it's that idea of these are still professional development courses. You're coming out with a qualification that's recognised, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it is the qualification. And, you know, you shouldn't be scared, I think, of even doing short certifications that you can get, you know, industry certifications as well. Lots of universities provide those as well now. So mm. um, anything that, you know, formalises your learning and signals to the job market that you're, you know, you're serious, you've you've gone away and you've done a little bit of studying, you've now got that in your tool belt. 
So what would you say to someone who's perhaps thinking about making a career change, but they're worried about the time it might take to retrain or the cost involved? So I'll start by saying that I, when I get this question, there's, and look, and I will answer in terms of what, you know, the, there's strategies and, and ways we can get around the, the time and finance objections. But I think one of the things that women in particular, I think, do is we spend a lot of time investing in the fulfilment of other people's goals. And we get to a point in our lives where potentially we haven't actually looked at investing in ourselves. This is a conversation that I'm having a lot in my circle at the moment. Um, I'm turning 50 this year and I've had to kind of take stock, um, just like everybody else after the um, lockdowns and everything, um, about what I've invested in. Have I invested in my future, in my job security, my financial security? And I think I'd really encourage women to take stock and think about that. You know, have mm. this investment and the compromise and the and the sacrifices that we make for others, are we doing it for ourselves? Number one. In terms of time, I think online study in particular, the way that we've set up Swimburn Online, and I'm just using it as an example, is that we've set up the way that you learn to fit in with your life. Your study has to fit in with your life, not vice versa. It used to be that we needed to rush off on a Wednesday night to attend a 7.30 tutorial and then you might sacrifice going to your yoga class or dropping your kids off or even having dinner with your kids, you know. Mm. That's not the case anymore. For online study, it's largely asynchronous, so you don't have to go to a timetable class or a lecture. Right. You study at your own pace. You might have deadlines, you, you will, you'll have like assignment deadline, deadlines and that sort of thing, but it's up to you how your study fits into your life. Mm. Um, so I think that's the beauty of online and universities are pivoting to that. I think they're understanding more and more that most students are time poor, even student, school leaders are time poor. Yeah. So, so yeah, consider maybe doing something that's self-paced rather than having, you know, scheduled classes that you need to attend. Um in terms of finances, I think we're really lucky in Australia that we've got the government's help schemes. So, you know, we've got HEX help and fee help for postgrad. Um, right. Even at vet level, we've got student loans, which mean that you can defer your tuition fees to your tax until you start earning enough um, at a certain tax uh, bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think the majority of us have used the um, – who studied at university have used that those schemes – but there's also a lot of scholarships and incentives that are being put out by governments. So in particular, where there's job shortages, I'd recommend that people look at um, state government websites and just type in scholarships. Quite often okay. there's um, financial incentives and scholarships that they provide to help, I suppose, incentivise, encourage people to move towards those careers. In particular, I know that um, education, teaching, um, jobs, you know, there's great shortage. And um, I know that the Queensland and Victoria government have some scholarships. I'm not aware of the other states, so you'd need to do a little bit of research on that. But they can cover the cost of either your full course or um, some proportion of your, your fees. And, you know, I, I think that, that that investment that you make too um, towards your studies, it pays off in the end. We know that mm. students actually get a higher salary and end up in that sort of uh, higher echelon of of roles once they do have that qualification. Yeah. And would it be the case too that the short courses are obviously much more affordable? So, you know, often I think it's when you're looking at those full, um, well, particularly the postgrad space, you know, they can start to get expensive. But I imagine those short courses that you talked about are even more 
affordable Absolutely, again. yeah. And they're, and they're designed that way because, you know, people won't access education if they're too expensive. So, oh, and also I will make the point that universities have got a lot of scholarships as well. Um, okay. One of the problems that we find is that students don't take them up. Well, that just makes me think, I remember when I did my own degree, I did a master's, you know, it felt like you needed to know the right questions to ask sometimes. I mean, at Swinburne, are there people like careers counsellors or someone that you can approach to really guide you through that process? Absolutely, yeah. And, I, and look, and all universities will have these services. Um, generally, there'll be called it like a careers and employability unit. Um, Swinburne's yeah. got a great um, unit because it's got such a long history of um, industry-based learning and placing students in, in industry internships. They've got a lot of experience in, in terms of career counselling. So you can always reach out to them and you don't need to be enrolled to right, um, okay. to reach out to them. If you need some advice around what course should I do, this, um, this is my current skill set and how could I transfer that to another career, they can actually help you with that. Mm, great. And so for those who might not be familiar with Swinburne Online, how is it different to other universities? Oh, great question. Um, and I love talking about this because it's I'm so passionate about what we're doing at Swinburne Online. So I think what we do is we take the, the traditional model of education and we've really honed in on the fact that people who are above 25, and that's the majority of the students that, that we enrol, are time poor. And when you're studying and you're a little older, you need a lot of support. And so what mm. we've done is we've taken the university content, all of those accredited qualifications, but we've offered them in a really supportive environment. We've put all of this scaffolding around the student to support them. So things like student mentors. Um, so you, you might be matched up with someone who's already studying and has had a little bit more experience than, than you, and you can go right. to them and and have conversations with them about, no, I'm really struggling with assignment or, or my motivation or, or whatever. Um, we also match you up with a study buddy. So, you know, it's really hard as an older person to make friends. And so so we take the, you know, the awkwardness out of that and we actually match you up with someone that we think that you might be, um, you might get along well with. Um, and so you great. can end up having coffee with those people and or actually having study sessions with them. There's also the student coaches. Um, so we've we as part of our student support team, we've got student coaches that you can contact in terms of motivation and time management, those sorts of things that are kind of the more soft blockers that you might feel. You know, can I do mm. this? You know, and they're trained in positive psychology, and they can really help right. you. You know, build your your morale around what what, I, what I'm doing, and I'm going to achieve this. So it's that. Those support structures, there's a lot of other things that we do, but what we know is that people that take up those support programs have a higher propensity to succeed. And isn't there something in that for all of us? Like if you ask oh, for, for help. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yes. But that's why this is a great conversation to have because you're right, I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. And if you don't sort of have that knowledge, you don't even know the right questions exactly. to ask or what to look for. So that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So if you can you've got if you've got a set of people that you can go to, you feel safe with them. Mm. You can ask them what you feel are dumb questions and and there is no dumb questions because you don't know what you don't know. Um, yes. So if you can scaffold a student who's perhaps working, you know, perhaps we've got students who work in, um, not work, who study from you know, regional and rural areas, you know, they're quite isolated and if you can put a support structure around them, um, they'll get through their, their studies. 
And can you enrol at any time of year or are there set times? Look, we've got six intakes a year, um, so it's fairly flexible. And, you know, that's, I think, important too if you're wanting to accelerate and, and get through your course quickly. You know, we've got mm. multiple teaching periods so you can finish your course quite quickly or as slow as you want. Okay. And it sounds like you can enrol from any part of Australia yeah, from what you just said. Definitely. Yeah. And we've got a lot of regional rural students, you know, and that increase of access to education is really important to us. So we do make sure that our regional rural students are really supported. Great. Well, look, are there any final tips you could offer to our listeners who might be thinking about retraining for a new career? Oh, it's never too late. It really is never too late. We've got a few people at the moment that um, I'm working with who are in their 60s and who've returned to study. So it's never too late. And whatever the emotional driver is behind um, returning to study, know that you're not alone. There's a lot of different people with from different backgrounds that return to study. So yeah, it's not a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kathy. That's really great information. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jackie. That was Kathy Garabelli, Partnership Manager at Swinburne Online, which you can find at swinburneonline.edu.au. If you enjoyed this conversation, we'd love if you could share the link with a friend or leave us a kind review. And if you'd like to stay in touch, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn at What She Did Next Podcast or subscribe to our newsletter at whatshedidnext.com.au. What She Did Next is produced and hosted by me, Jackie Uwe. Our associate producer is Catherine Cavill. And this podcast is made on Darrawal Country. Thanks for listening. <laughs>